Welcome to the Barry Sachs Show. Thanks for joining me on the Barry Sachs Show. I'm Barry Cockroft, and I'll be hosting this podcast with guest saxophonists from around the world. We will be exploring the stories behind these great musicians with telling insights into how they got started and the ongoing development of their careers. Thanks for being here on this adventure, and please subscribe for a new episode each week. The details of each episode, including a transcript, the show notes, and any links, can be found at barrysax.com. Asya Fateva, a classical saxophonist born on the Crimean Peninsula in 1990, has a wide repertoire which includes original works written for her instrument, as well as Baroque, classical and romantic pieces which she often arranges herself. In 2014, she became the first woman to reach the final of the prestigious Adolf Sachs International Competition in Belgium. As a winner of the first prize at the German Music Competition in 2012, Asia recorded her debut album of works by Misha, Iber, Albright and De Kroek. For this project, she was awarded the Best Newcomer Echo Classic in 2016. The daughter of a professional footballer, Asia began taking piano lessons at the age of six and saxophone at the age of ten. Later, she was taught by Professor Margarita Shaponishkova in Moscow and took masterclasses in Gap, France. Asia moved to Germany in 2004, where she was taught by Daniel Gauthier. Study trips to France, where she was taught by Claude Delongue in Paris and Jean-Denis Michat in Lyon, provided crucial creative inspiration. Asia has performed with the Vienna Symphony Orchestra, with the Tchaikovsky Radio Symphony Orchestra, the Ukrainian National Philharmonic, the Istanbul State Symphony Orchestra, the Giuseppe Verdi Symphony Orchestra of Milan, and many German orchestras. Please welcome my guest today, Asya Fateva. I think sometimes when I see you, I'm a bit confused about your nationality. <laughs> you speak many languages, yeah. uh, you're comfortable in different environments. Mm. So what are your origins? And my origins are Russian. I'm coming from Crimea, but from Russian part. Let's say my mother language is Russian, so I feel myself Russian. But not really. I don't know as well where is my home home place. Where it's a bit everywhere because half of my life I spent in Germany. I went there to school. I have German passport, but also I was living three years in France. So I think home is now Germany, let's say. But still a lot speaking Russian in, at home because my husband also is Russian speaking. My parents are also not far. So it's a bit mixture. And so what age did you move to Germany? 14? Uh, yes, I was 14 years old. We moved with all my family because it was uh, already a difficult situation in Crimea politically. It was unstable. And for the future of children, because I also have my sister, my parents decided to go there. So we moved with all family. And so with, with no accessible saxophone teacher, then you were able to... Exactly. We, we chose, let's say, they, my parents chose a bit wrong city, Hamburg, in that time, because there was no saxophone. But my grandparents were also there, so they went more for family. Uh, that's why Cologne, it's four hours away, was the next possibility to study good saxophone. What, why didn't your family move to Cologne as well, if it was just a few hours away? Uh, good question. I never asked myself this. <laughs> why they didn't move. Yeah, I think because... The grandparents of the parents of my father were already in Hamburg, so they decided to stay there. And they wouldn't move, I think, because of me, the whole family would be a bit too complicated, I guess. So, And I was not, I was 15, still young, but it's already almost possible to live alone. And so you got to live and learn with your teacher. 
Yes, they really had to adopt me officially because of German rules. So they were really my adoptive parents. I asked Claude Delangle, who he would recommend in Germany to go to study with. He wrote me Daniel Gauthier, then I took a contact. We went even with my parents to him. I was 15 then, back then. And he was so nice and really adorable. And he helped me a lot uh, because... It was amazing, really very, very kind of them. It's now when I think I also teach and it's amazing what they did for me, for sure. Do you think the way that you learned saxophone with Daniel was influenced by the fact that you also had to have a family relationship? I, I sure, Yeah, if I think back then, I'm not sure because the lessons were, I think, still in conservatory in Cologne, not at home, sometimes at home. It was also once a week, like normal. Hmm. I don't know how, how if it was mixing a lot, there was this private, was not private. I, I don't think so, no. I've interviewed Daniel, of course, yeah. uh, on this show, and I've known him for a long time. Yeah. And I've always admired his approach. I guess one way to put it would be to put melody first. He's very expressive. Mm. And I always admired that about his playing. Is that something that you were adopted from him as well? in his teaching, a focus on the musical side of playing? I think in my case it came earlier. It came from Russia, for sure. Uh, it came already from, I think, the most important in my education step was when I was 12 and I went to Moscow to Shaposhnikova, Margarita Shaposhnikova, and it put really something in me, what's for music, the, how you treat music. Or I must say, even earlier when I played piano with six, I really also had very, very good teacher. And the way they take care of music, the way they, this responsibility against music, against composer, forward the composer, it's really something special. So I think I got it more the Russian side from there. How do you balance that taking care of music, but also developing significant technique at the same time? It's interesting question because a few days ago I was discussing this with one of saxophonists from the Congress. It's weird to make it separate. It's not possible to say, here's music, here's technique, or let's combine. It's, it's not possible. So there is, I guess, no, usually no technique without music. Technique is, is for music. And if you have some desires to express or to play something, so of course you need technique. It's like try to speak without words or let's say, let's learn letters, but then we learn sentence. So I think when we speak, we don't separate this both sense and sentence and words. It's the same in music. So I'm, I think trying not to separate technique. And it's very, very important. And of course, you have to have it, but the higher goal is, of course, to express something. That's the highest goal. Sure. So you can't put the technical aspect first, or it would be... No, 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 I don't think so. And so you spent some time with Daniel. Yes. And where did you go next? Uh, the next, because I started with 15 with him, so it was already quite a long time, middle of my studying, because from with 17, I decided to study my bachelor back then. It was diploma, even different system than back then. I first I made exchange with Claude Delongo for half a year in CNSM. was very nice. Then I went for one year to Montpellier with Philippe Racard. Yeah, it was also very cool. Especially I loved this sunny city, this place. Mm, I lived there for six months. Really? Just on holiday. It's great. It's beautiful. Even during the studies, it was a holiday feeling absolutely because of this place. And remind me on Crimea. Because when I'm from Crimea, we have a lot of sun. We have really similar nature. When I came to Germany, no sun, a bit gray, too north. It was hard for me. So I was really feeling great and at home. And after that, I went for three years almost to Rondonimisha, 
to Leon. It was my extension and it really was very, very important for me because of course I knew him from the gap masterclass when I was 12 or 13. I knew all the teachers already. So it, before Germany. So for me, it was always kind of family and yeah. But was, he didn't have to adopt you. No, no, not, <laughs> and yeah, I'm not sure he wouldn't. <laughs> he would not. It's for sure. <laughs> it's funny because the first time I heard you play live was at the Dinant competition in 2014, oh. and you played a piece um, by John Denny yes. and in the the finals of the competition. His uh, concerto, Sham, is it yes, Shams? Shams, yes. And that must be a very nice connection to have learned with somebody, and then you're playing their music. Absolutely, I really loved it because to work with the composers is so interesting, especially if it's your teacher, a composer, and you play his music. And uh, we're all the whole class were influenced uh, virus. Let's let's say we had a virus of this music that years. So everybody was playing, and yeah, it was an interesting time. He must have been a supportive teacher because I remember he came to that concert. Yes, 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 for is, sure. Is that how would you describe? Perhaps the differences between the the four teachers you've described so far. Yeah. What what differences did you see in style, in learning? Oh, it's hard to compare. I don't like it, <laughs> and I wouldn't do it. Uh, I think the teacher should really fit to you. It should be really on the same waves, let's say, and so it's, it's very personal for everyone. Maybe also the period of your life is also important. What you need right right there in that time. And I really loved my time in Lyon because it was something special. It was a good mixture that reminded me a bit of Russia because Rodini, he admires Russia and Russian culture. But in the same time, very precise as a French side. And it was something also on another level as a composer. So for me, it was really something special. Do you find in your own teaching now that you take some of the aspects from the range of teachers you've had? Or have you found a new way to teach? I'm sure I'm taking what I got from my teachers, that's for sure. I didn't observe myself from outside, but for sure, yes. I really like also the book of Jean Denis, Contemporary Saxophone. It's only in French, I guess, till now. I would love to translate it to, to German. It would be interesting because we are missing actually stuff in German language. And uh, yes, I'm sure I got a lot of influence from this French side in a way of explaining saxophone, explaining how to play, but for sure it's combined with a, with a, also with Daniel's side of, of some playing, some beautiful sound, what he's looking for for some. The most important word, I think, of Daniel's teaching was uh, homogène. He really got it also from Landex, I guess. So it was very important for him that all the registers sound same. So he could not stand if there is some bzzz in the middle of the register. So, and I think sometimes we hear some players, even from friends, that they don't care about it so much as he does. So it's important, I think, to combine things what you think is good. And that's why the way I teach or the way I play is maybe a combination of all the things it's and my, my taste at the end. You know, people describe Daniel as the French school. And <laughs> da Daniel said to me that he's pretty sure the French would not consider him to be French school. <laughs> it's a bit different. Sure, he is French school because he's from Landex, but... If we go so deep in a French school, there is Bichon and Londay school. So it's exactly, there are many ways. Of. Do you think there are schools and different ways of playing in different parts of the world? I think it's getting less and less. It's getting more mixed because of maybe of this globality, because we get influenced, because we travel more. I don't know why. But I still think if you come to every country, there is some influence. There is some speciality of sound, of the way to play. Not only in saxophone. I also notice myself when I'm in France, I get adapt. I adapt my sound a bit the way 
it's suitable for also with another instruments than, than in Germany. And let's say in America, but I didn't have big experience in America yet, would be different as well. So, and England as well. So I think we adapt for mm. sure. Because some people would perhaps refuse to adapt and they would just say, this yeah. is how I play. Yeah. Like it, don't like it. So is adapting something that's useful when you're playing in chamber music? Maybe. That's what I would, would say for sure. It, from In my case, I can speak only from my side. It's happening automatically, I guess, if you communicate with other musicians, with the way the string play or the, the wood or brass, you try to achieve some harmony together or some, some concert or some chamber music. So you really find to, to find the way it suits. That's why the Vienna also, they have some kind of, not in saxophone, let's say, but special instruments and they keep this tradition, they keep this special sound. It has something, maybe not as much as they try to say, but still. So I guess the, the next extension of that is if you are working as soloist, which sound do you choose because <laughs> you're at the front? Do you really feel that can be yourself, you're not adapting or you're always... Oh, no, 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 myself, 200%, 200%, yourself. 200% for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it also can depend easily on a whole, for example, acoustic. So I think actually my biggest advice and my discovery, but it's not new, would be try to listen from your, to yourself from outside. It's so important when you play to listen to yourself. It's like really from in the acoustic way, in a, in a space, let's say. It's the biggest thing. And if you are capable to do it or trying to do it, then you improve or you choose the way you want to, to do. Uh, yeah, most people practice in a very small room. So does that stop that ability to listen back to the sound? Mm, maybe it's it's healthy sometimes to play in a big hall in a real acoustic chest to to change. It's good. I think I don't think it's a problem small room, but not forever, not for not always. It's a bit like singers. I think we have to to, to play and to trust or to imagine how it will develop in a, in, a, in a space. So we we cannot really. Here's a hundred percent what's happening, but we have really to maybe try to develop some uh, skills or some reflexes and to know, okay, this work and it's a bit, there is imagination and trust. You keep talking about adapting and it makes me wonder if you are working to a plan or are you more just sort of making up your career as things happen? I think the second one The more. second one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has some goals, sure. Some big goal, yes, but then it's happening. Is the way that you practice now different to the way that you practice when you were a student? <laughs> uh, yes, I guess, yes. It, was, it took some time to, to, <laughs> to get into it again, to, to practice. It's important to practice. Now, I mean, last year was a bit crazy with all these travels. It was really hard to combine. So the professional life is not sometimes as we imagine it as a student's. We'll have eight hours of practicing, play a few concerts, one exam, and that's it. Not at all. There is a hard reality or nice reality. You have to teach, you have to travel, you have to do this and that. And there are so many things. So you have really to, to first to find time, also to clear your head. And uh, I think to be efficient is, would be helpful. So really to, in a short time, to, to do the best. So is efficiency in practice something that you learned from your teachers or you developed through experimenting i guess i would develop it more i guess myself could you could you describe efficiency oh i think it's very hard it's very personal as well 
try to find really the places you need to work to and improve the, these places really to, to zoom in a problem, not to try to play on the same, maybe zoom problem, solve problems. And then of course, if you need to adapt to develop your interpretation, something else, and you have to play more. There are different sides of problems to solve. I have noticed a lot of students when they practice, they practice the parts they can play and <laughs> ignore the parts they can't play uh, until the end, yeah. hoping they will magically learn themselves. Uh, yeah. And if, then, of course, they don't work. Yeah, maybe it's, <laughs> I, I think one of the joys, of course, of practice is playing music that sounds good and you can play. So if you're always playing things that don't work, mm. then maybe that's a little bit depressing. So maybe that's why people are drawn to at least working on some things that are already okay. Yeah. But it uses up a lot of time. Sure, but I think to combine both is good. Of course, only practice small things is not not a good way. So to clean, let's say, let's okay, now I take one hour, I'll clean stuff. So you clean all the small things, intonation, and then, okay, now I'm free, I'll play. Maybe something like and this. And is memorization an important part of your work? Uh, yes, actually, yes. Yeah, But I must say I got a bit lazy in Germany <laughs> because the Russian way was we were playing everything by heart. I was also very surprised. Uh, I was in master classes in Portugal It's really, first of all, they have great system before conservatory with uh, the special schools. So there are children, they're focused already on music and they had to play everything by heart. So the all exams, it's by heart. It's great to do it if you do it often as young. Because uh, in Germany, there was a problem. People have students and never ever did it. So of course, it's a bit hard to start and also to find confi confidence to do it for the first time. So it's better to start early. And in Russia, it's just tradition. We did it as we were small and it was really... You had to. There is no choice not to do it. And in Europe, it's a bit easy. So you can, oh, oh, yeah, everywhere you can play with music. So I got lazy, I must say. <laughs> is improvisation something that forms part of your music? Very nice question. It got important for me last, let's say, year. I'm trying really to integrate it also for my students. And we got, I, I think it's very important for musicians. What I see sometimes in classical saxophone players is a really, sometimes, not Or maybe it's my case. I was a bit, at my case, I was at the beginning against jazz. I was like, no, 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 it's not beautiful. No, no, no. I like only classical. It was really maximalist and very, very stupid because I was young. But now I discovered for me, it's really great. And I really trying to, to absorb as, as much as I can. And But there is another side of improvisation. It doesn't have to be jazz. There is free, there is anything. So maybe there is not good name for it, but... To play free, to play what you want or different styles is very, very important to get rid of the music and to be only right and no mistakes. So it's not about music. And that's why I think it's very, very important for, for us, for players. And I organized this year for my students a masterclass with uh, Markus uh, Stockhausen. It was really great because he did a intuitive music improvisation. The course for it, it was I really loved it. And students at the beginning, they got used to it. And, and then we made it some kind of end concert. It's important. And I don't know if they want to continue or not, the students. It should also respond to you. Maybe 10 years later, they'll say, ah, it was a good thing, I should try. Maybe not immediately. It should be the right time for everyone. But yes, it's very, very important for me now. I think if you can improvise, it means you're making choices all the time. Everything you mm -hmm. do, you have to choose. Everything. Mm -hmm. And then when you go back to music that's written, mm -hmm hopefully you still know how to make choices. And so therefore your, your interpretation should become better because you can choose more things. If you're used to just following one way of playing 
and you don't know how to change because you can't choose anything else, um, I think that's a shame. But if you can improvise uh, just anything, then hopefully you can also improvise the smaller things, maybe changing the dynamics or changing the phrasing on on the spot. Sure, sure. I just cannot say that I was not before because I wasn't improvising at all uh, in my music not as free because I think that was the reason was for me this a bit strict Russian school let's say that either you do this either you do you that and there was no combination possible that's why I really grew up in a different system then it's, it's changed uh, that's why we, we of course we were looking for interpretation for the phrase we could play phrase differently also dynamic interpretation but not improvising so of course it's enrichment for sure And I think it's very important also to try to understand composer. And if you improvise, as I said very nicely, you make choices, but also you, you're kind of composing in a way, very simple, of course, in, in my case. But <laughs> at least you're in touch with something creative. So then when you play, you can think, ah, the, it was his decision, let's say, a composer's decision. So maybe it helps you also to come to the idea of composition better. Is working with composers an important part of your music making? Yes. Absolutely. I like it so much and it helps me to grow, let's say, because sometimes composers, they make me discover my instrument in a way I, I wouldn't think as a player sometimes. Or like, let's try this, let's try that. Or we develop something together. Or there is a freshness. There is really different state of mind or point of view. So it's, it's great. It keeps fresh. Do you find there's something about new music that let's say you you have a new piece is it something in a piece of music that would make you choose to play it again and are there pieces that you might say thank you that that was good to play once and Mm -hmm. i'll leave that now for somebody else is there some quality that means you want to keep playing a piece yes for sure maybe i can't describe it but as a musician you feel it i think there is yeah there is some music it gives you something back Oh, there is some music that makes you even higher and it's really great feelings. There is some music that you have to force yourself or, yeah, sometimes it happens you don't don't want first a piece to, you don't understand it, so you don't want to work. But when you get into it, it's getting more and more interesting. So you found some things and then you grow with a piece and you, you every concert is better or some discovery for you. I think every piece has its own story. Sometimes it's a great piece, but you play it so many times and need a rest. Otherwise, it's really getting boring for you and bad for peace. Is working as a soloist in front of an orchestra something that you love? Yes. It's very natural for me, somehow. I, I did it also when I was small, with, with t- nine, ten in Ukraine. I started, I was playing six months of saxophone and I already played with orchestra. So it's like this. Yes, I, I like it very much. You're comfortable? Yes. What is it? home feeling <laughs> it's, it's nothing yeah i don't know is this something you want to keep developing is this this type of performance where you're the soloist i think it's a combination it's it's always combination it's not only i play only with orchestra i never play chamber music i play only chamber music i think for me uh, i like the variety so i like to, to make have different things it's really important do you find that the saxophone sometimes is a little bit academic I'll give you an example. Saxophone players playing new music for an audience of saxophone players <laughs> as opposed to saxophone players playing music for a general audience. I can understand why because 
or at least in case in Germany, sometimes it's very hard to make uh, organizers believe in some name that never heard. So they are really forced to play some names that they know because they, it's a risk for public to, to take a program name they don't know. So maybe the, the, the people will not come. They're always afraid. It's uh, getting harder with culture actually nowadays. So they don't dare, let's say. And if you want to really play some pieces, where else? Of course, there are some new music festivals. It's great. But yeah, to play it for the colleagues or here where you can do whatever you want and you can develop, it's like laboratory, let's say. And it's, it's good. Of course, it's not only. It's, it's not real, the real world, let's say. It's a bit like laboratory world. We meet, we exchange. And then I think the task is also to spread it around. Uh, but in a good dosage, let's say it's, it's good. <laughs> Now I've got some quick questions. Okay. All right. Proust. And it doesn't mean they're easy questions, but they're quick, short questions. Is there something that you believe that other people disagree with? For sure, because tastes differ. Sure. Sure. But I mean, in music in general. Yes, there are. Can you give an example? <laughs> <laughs> because tastes differ, maybe for some people, the repertoire, the way to play the, the aspects that are more important for me and less important for them and the opposite. Sure, sure, there are opposites. Do you think it's difficult to sometimes do something differently to what other people do? Or is that silly and we should always... No, no, it's not difficult, no, no. I think it's difficult to copy, <laughs> to, to do the same. <laughs> If you just had one piece of music that you could play now for the rest of your life, what piece do you think that would be? Still all bright, I guess. Really? <laughs> yes. You love this? Yes. What is it about this piece that you're drawn to? It's everything, the range of emotions, also this deepness, this deepness inside, this tragedy, this way of writing, everything. I like it still. But I need to take a rest with the piece because it's getting boring for, for both of us. So. <laughs> If you just had one hour to practice... How would you spend that hour? Playing beautiful melodies. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't say playing long notes. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Who would you consider to be one of the most successful contributors to the world of saxophone? Oh, it's a mean question. <laughs> Marcel Mühl. Because he had many, many good qualities. First of all, he was accepted as a musician in the whole world. And he... he developed great class and yeah the, his influence is huge if we learn from our mistakes is it okay to make mistakes yes sure sure it's it's life it's our it's a way <laughs> if you make a mistake maybe one day you'll make a mistake um do you cope well are you okay if you make a mistake in performance yes you too well <laughs> no. you don't even notice <laughs> don't take it Too serious. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Some people get a bit stuck yeah. oh. and they can't stop thinking about yeah. that. Because I, I, I wouldn't fit, for example, for orchestral musician. I, I'm, I'm not really the type. So let's say I'm not too, like, yeah, I notice it. So for me, it's really no problem. Would you have a suggestion to people how they can let mistakes go? Yes, I heard this very nice sentence from Gordon Tudor. I like him really very, very much as a human and a saxophone player, sure, and composer. I think he's saying his students that it's uh, we are not in surgery, nobody will die, and he has he's right, <laughs> and I think it's really healthy thought. I do think sometimes we take saxophone so seriously, but actually it's not very serious. It's um, 
it's music and it's not life or death and from one side yes from another side you should i think give everything you can and if you do it seriously in a way that it's very important for you and you give it everything but it's not about mistakes it's about something else mm. then and if you're really saying something with a saxophone even with mistakes it's it's no problem it's not a scorecard where you no, are one no. even two. if it's perfect it's also the be it's a beauty it's not perfect so yeah. what's the thing that you do right before a performance walking on to stage what do you do to prepare yourself so that you're in the best frame of mind to play at your best oh it also depends on the situation just to come down with the mind really be concentrated calm but concentrated Does it take much time to reach that state of mind? Depends on the day, really. I think it depends on the day. Sometimes it doesn't happen. <laughs> Could you give yourself a piece of advice when you were studying out? Let's say you'd finished your studies. Yes. Uh, develop very uh, big range of skills as a musician. It's not only playing. I was a bit silly also and stupid. I said, yeah, I don't need any diplomas even like this. I, I won't just play. Nobody will ask diploma on stage. Of course not, but also different skills in a way of being able to organize, to arrange, to anything, compose, improvise, some different kind of music. I, I was pretty stubborn and also somehow I was guided like this, competition stuff. And yeah, I didn't have really much freedom. So then I needed some time to like a teenager, like break down. I want to try it. I don't want anything else. I don't want this. So yeah, ex ex accept yourself as a free person and not only machine to practice, stay alive, <laughs> enjoy life. Is there something you've been working on recently that you would like to share with everybody? Ooh, last week we recorded CD. Mm, there was, you go. <laughs> yeah, it was my, my next CD. It will come in February 2019. Uh, very colorful in a way it's mixed it's not only for saxophone public so it might be a bit light for saxophone public uh, but there are there is special guests as Arno Bornkamp and we are playing also light music in a way historically it might be interesting it's a student of Adolf Sax of Major but he made some easy transcription of Trouvert opera so we're playing this duo of, of Verdi and some more duos and my goal was because I live in Germany I see now how it works People don't know about saxophone. I have to explain it's not jazz. I have to explain it's not from America. It's really ridiculous for some saxophone players. So I think it was important, this step to show them saxophone is, was born middle of 19th century in France. So I chose the repertoire more or less from there with the beauty of the instrument so they can be familiar with it. Because in Germany, it's a bit a problem of degenerative music. You don't notice it uh, directly but they they think saxophone something horrible loud and jazzy and bad and the symphonic orchestra they really there are traditions and there is this historical propaganda that worked still so there is a work to do in this way to make them friends with our instrument so would you describe that perhaps as your mission to, to get the saxophone accepted the same as other maybe, instruments maybe i really take it serious i'm really doing my best because i fall in love with the classical saxophone when i was 12 or 13 in gap when i experienced these great players playing great music even transcriptions but still still beautiful that's why i want to share this beauty for sure now where's the best place for people to find more out about you about me I don't know. I, I must say I'm not active in any Instagram, Twitter or stuff. Sometimes I post something, but not not cons cons consequent. A website, I also have to upload. 
maybe maybe Facebook Facebook official page maybe okay yes. oh, and and my website but I'm not very good at it <laughs> and finally you already have done so much for so long what do you see for yourself in the next 10 or 20 years uh, just go on develop all these ways there are different directions and just develop it more and discover I'm pretty curious as a type so discover more things sometimes I need more time maybe it's good not to teach <laughs> no no but just discover more things for yourself one last thing yes <laughs> yeah. thank you very much for your thank time you. today and enjoy the rest of the congress thank you very much thank you for inviting me All right. great thank you <laughs> just before you go a quick reminder to let you know that show notes any links and a full text transcript are also available it would mean a lot to me if you could leave a review for the show by visiting barrysacks.com forward slash iTunes. You can subscribe for a new episode each week. And thanks again for joining me and my guests on Barry Zach's show.